0: Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio Interactive live chat room at TNTradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. This is a place for crazy people. Natalie Cheel and Rick Muck. I think you'll listen. TNT
1: okay good morning good afternoon good evening and welcome to the open line show whoever you are wherever you are whatever you're doing and of course whatever you're doing we hope that it's nice just having a glance at the day and the hour it's tuesday The 5th of December 2023, we're marching on up towards the end of the year here on TNT Radio and we hope that you march up to the end of the year along with us, just complete the journey, if you will, and merrily onwards we will go into 2024 if the good Lord himself wills it. So what have we got on the cards this morning? Well, of course, the lines will be open from around about 20 past the hour. If you feel like calling in, you can do so. The numbers are on our website, which is TNT Radio. Dot live, or you can leave a message in the live chat, tntradio.live. Just click on the live chat function. Uh, I think you make an account, and then in you go, and you can post up your thoughts, comments, opinions, links. More and more new people joining the live chat by the day, which is always nice to see. And of course, everyone's opinion is welcome. Uh, some of them you know we may agree with some of them we don't and vice versa when it comes to the output that we're doing here at tnt radio but hey variety is the spice of life and all that business and uh, diversity uh, it makes the world go round and i'm not talking about the kind of diversity that we run down here live on tnt radio you get what i'm saying so we'll have a lot to cover uh, in the second hour i'll be joined by the mighty the mighty Darren Denslow aka DD Denslow so he and I will be uh doing a big overview of what's been happening in the UK over the last few days especially with some of the new announcements that are coming out uh from old Rishi Sunak himself so stay tuned for that in the second hour uh the the crisis situation in Ireland uh we've been covering it now for some time we've been warning uh, that eventually everything is going to come to a head with regards to homelessness with regards to provision of roofs over people's heads especially in the Irish winter time. So it's not a good time in Ireland to be without a roof over your head or without central heating, or even without uh, a double layer of clothes on your back. But unfortunately, that's the position many people are finding themselves in coming up to Christmas because of the government's gross ineptitude or possibly uh, their plan being executed perfectly, putting huge strain on services, putting huge strain on people, putting huge amounts of people under undue stress coming up to Christmas. And there's a story here that it was published yesterday, uh, a, a lady uh, on the streets of Limerick, an Irish lady with a little boy. She says, I've nowhere to go. I don't think I'll last longer if we don't get any help before Christmas, admits an Irish mom who is sleeping in a tent with her son. She says, I feel like I'm feeling my son because my son is asking me why no one is helping me. And why is this happening to us? Uh, this lady's name is Charlene Whelan. Her five-year-old son slept in the tent in freezing conditions outside City Hall Limerick last night and face another night on the streets because they have nowhere to go. Uh, Met Iran, which is the uh, Irish Weather Service, have issued a yellow low temperature and ice warning. She said last night it was almost minus two degrees C, and you can imagine what the conditions are like for that lady and her son living in a tent outside Limerick City Hall. Forget about the the physical conditions, which are horrendous enough. Imagine the psychological damage that's being done to that child when the child's saying, "Mom, why is nobody helping us? Why is nobody putting us up? And, you know, uh, well, I don't have time to go into this in more detail right now. Maybe we'll carry this on actually just after our little uh, break when we bring Gem in. But is it just the government that is failing this woman? Is it just the government? Can we just point the finger at the government and say they have failed? What about NGOs? What about uh, the, the the thousands of empty homes that are lying around Ireland? Gemini and and Natalie have covered empty home situations in England. What about the church? What about the good old church? You know, it is the season to be jolly. Peace and goodwill towards fellow men. Why are there people sleeping on the streets when there's huge church buildings lying empty? Well insulated. Well decorated, carpets on the floor, big cushions on the pews, central heating cranked up for the congregations on a Sunday. Why are the churches closed? Why are the churches not bringing people in, if not even to the main buildings? What about the parochial halls that they also have attached to their worship centers? What is the church doing to help a woman like this? What am I doing? What are you doing? You know, forget about the state, okay? We can we can blame them for just about everything, and just about everything is their fault. But the question is, could we? We collectively be doing more, and have we collectively failed this woman? Never mind the, the, the state, never mind whole Martin, never mind Leo Varadkar or any other uh, shambolic Irish politician that's currently in situ. So, throw that out to you guys as well in the live chat. Should this be happening? in 2023 or do we conveniently turn the other way because really uh, there's more that we collectively could be doing to help people like this get the hell off the streets with their child instead of using a dog as an electric blanket which is effectively what they did last night to stop themselves freezing to death so anyway on that happy note ho 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 merry christmas and we'll be right back after this short break here on tnt radio
0: the latest headlines waiting for you. I follow the news pretty much throughout the day. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: Okay, ladies, let's get straight down to it. Okay, I'm not pontificating here, although it sounds like I am, but you know, I'm scratching my head when I read this story. It is happening. It's happening in Reading. It's happening in the West Country. It's happening in Ireland. It's happening all over the world. People are destitute as per right now, absolutely destitute. So forget the government. Let's push them to the side. Let's say they engineered all of this. Could we, as a society, not ensure that people like this are not living on the streets intense with their children coming up to Christmas? What do you reckon?
2: Wow. That's like, this, this, was a, this was a big uh, uh, question yeah. and debate uh, for first yeah. thing this morning. Um, I think it's a really hard one, Rick, because... This, the benefit system originally was designed. So this wouldn't happen. So the, yeah, whether you are disabled or you come into hard times, the money would be there. Unfortunately, too many people um, have taken the mick out of that, that system and then you've got the government coming in who are giving those homes, which would have gone to people like this lady, they've gone to, to migrants. On top of that, most people in society now have got depression, mental health, uh, completely delusion with the world. They are literally struggling with their own life and that that, I don't think that is an exaggeration so you know the the Mm -hmm. answer to that in an ideal world of course we should we should all be coming together as a community Mm. to help people um but in the real world right now I think a lot of people are struggling to just get through the day themselves and that's the truth uh so um it's not it's not the answer that I'd like to give but I think it's the truth
1: Mm. Gemma what do you reckon yes or no could we step up our game
3: we could. Um, it, it's a it's a complicated one, and without knowing the details of the the case study, the the poor woman and her and her son that you've just illustrated, without going into the more in depth knowledge about her circumstances, all I will say is I do have some direct experience of this on mm-hmm. two sides, because when I was at the BBC, uh, I was uh, training to be a video journalist, where you go out and film your own stories, and you don't have a producer; you just go out and get it yourself. And I spent um, three nights on the streets in the UK city of Bath, which has a massive homeless problem because there's a lot of tourism there and there's a lot of rich Americans that come over. And I spent the night with the homeless community. I slept in the YMCA, which is what a lot of them do. And it is a very complex issue. One of the reasons it's difficult to talk about homing people and putting people up is a lot of people home to them represents the source of intense pain. They flee a troubled home, and they don't necessarily have the life skills to maintain a, a balanced home life. And and I was working, I was filming in the Big Issue office, the the homeless magazine that pe- homeless people sell to raise money. And I was talking to the people that run that, and they say sometimes you will put people into a home, and they 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 trash it. They can't cope with it. And they was I know this is a really controversial thing to say. She said some people feel more comfortable on the streets. Uh, It gives them more of a sense of safety than being in a house, which they don't know how to manage. They don't know how to run. She basically said a lot of people don't have the life skills to to cope with being in a house and all the pressures that that bring and paying bills, all of that kind of stuff. Secondly, I have been, this is going to sound like virtue signaling. It's not. I have been putting somebody up for nearly two years whose mum died in almost identical circumstances to mine. And he's a very good friend of mine. I went to school with him and because of the circumstances of his mum's death he found himself temporarily homeless until the probate went through and the sale of the property it's a very complicated situation i said no worries mate you've been good to me in my life you can come and live with me now it's nearly 2 years since his mum's death and he's he is eventually going to be moving in the next few weeks but it has done my head in you know having t- mm. taking someone into your home yeah. yeah great at the start and you feel all good about it and then they're there all the time and then you want your space. And you know, I'm not, I'm not done. I mean, it was my choice to do it. I did the right thing. That's, you know, that you is did. the right thing. He's a very good friend. But, you know, we've had some stand-up rows and I'm, you know, I'm like, when are you going to get your life sorted and get out of my property? You know, don't sound very no. charitable now, do I? But that's, that's the reality of bringing somebody into your home. It is, it's not black and white, this one. It's very, very complicated, yes. and, and there's a lot of grey areas with it. So that's where there I stand is. on it. And, and I'm yeah. not virtue signalling. I just want to stress that. I'm not trying to virtue some, signal with that.
1: Some brilliant points made by both of you, OK? And this is something, if we had time, you know, if we had two hours, we could have an amazing discussion in this, I think, yes. covering in depth everything Natalie said, in depth what you said, Gemma. And I have a little bit of experience, too, trying to get people off the streets. And sadly, some people just don't want to come off the streets some people feel that the streets are their home as tough and as rough and as destructive as that is they are just more content there for example than going and staying in a wet hostel which they say could be more dangerous than the streets but for those people like this lady i would say she would snap your arm off uh, to get a roof over her head tonight even just you know for a few weeks until she maybe gets some kind of temporary accommodation from the council the problem is she has been universally failed if she's lying in a tent with a five-year-old child using a dog to get heat so yes it's an immensely you know i was being a little bit you know blasé throwing that out there can we do more should we do more snap our fingers and solve the problem we can't do that we just can't and it is extremely uh complex issues but in this case with this lady i just think it's a damning statement the fact that she has to sleep and freeze her ass off uh, the streets of Limerick uh, while these politicians that engineered this and like I said, there's a lot of empty spaces that she could be put up on I I, I said I don't have time to get into this this morning but I I have to restrain myself from getting into this one but anyway brilliant points made by Nat and brilliant points made there by Gemma as well. It's a very complex issue but you know I think there's a big failing underway here when this woman has to sleep on the streets with a five-year-old coming up to Christmas. Gemma, uh, people uh, that are doing well versus people that aren't doing well like this lady furlough uh, we know that this was a scheme that was rolled out of course back in march 2020 i think it was originally mooted to be done for eight weeks ran up until september of 2021 billions and billions of pounds of money was printed and gave to people to stay at home. Now, it's almost like uh, dragging, trying to drag a stubborn mule back to the place of work for many, many people. Uh, a study has just came out and uh, confirming what we already know. Give us a little bit more detail on this one with regards to uh, dragging these uh, sorry folk back to work. And I mean, I would be drag kicking and screaming back myself. I was one of those people. Uh, have they made a rod to beat their own backs with, with the furlough scheme?
3: Well, this story came out today and I thought we couldn't ignore it here on uh, Open Line because we have discussed this before. I think, Natalie, you brought this to the table only last week with another story we were talking about, about people not wanting to return to the workforce. And it does seem that the old furlough scheme has has backfired. So this report has come out today. It's been in a lot of the no- mainstream press. The Bank of International Settlements says that uh, you know the huge handouts Uh, given globally during the pandemic have left workers reluctant to go back to their jobs. Now, we already know this, but this study has confirmed it and it's not just confined to the UK. It says that the labor force, very nice language this, the labor force participation rates in many countries, including the UK, uh, has yet to recover, and they're not sure it ever will, actually, to recover from pre-COVID levels. Um, People that have gone back to work after being furloughed are now shifting their hours to fewer working hours, which means they're paying less tax, they're earning less. And uh, recovery shows that where the fiscal support in countries was high, like in the UK, where they ploughed 70 billion, into the uh, furlough scheme, um, the, the way, where people were getting almost 100% wages for doing nothing, that the, the lack of appetite for work is very, very low, and the recovery is very, very slow. So, if, for example, in the UK, we had 11.7 million jobs furloughed in 2021. Uh, we now have a million job vacancies, which the government is desperate, desperate to fill here in the UK. Because of course, if people aren't filling those vacancies, they're not paying their national insurance, they're not paying their stamps, they're not paying their taxes. And that's what's propping the whole system up it's us um, so of course they're desperate but you know like you say Rick you would have had to be dragged kicking and screaming back into your old job uh, you're very lucky you ended up at TNT as mm. am I you know but I w- I was a key worker when I was still at the BBC telling everyone to stay at home protect the NHS save lives get a jab I would never go back to that ever um, but once you give people it's like homeschooling we've discussed that on this show once you give people a taste of freedom and take them out of the matrix a lot of people go whoa I'm thinking for myself. I'm creating my own day. I'm not listening to my boss anymore. This is amazing. I can go for a walk and no one's phoning me up and shouting at me and asking me where I am. I can go to the toilet when I want. I can have my lunch when I want. I don't have to wait for the lunch break. Freedom, you know, the mantra of the freedom movement, freedom. So you know, you've, <laughs> they've created a rod for their own back with this one. And I, I'm, I'm tacitly on the side of some of these people because I think, yeah, once you're out of the cage, who willingly yeah. wants to go back if you can afford to stay out of it?
1: Not what do you reckon? Get well, get I back in your cage. Just, reckon, yes or I no?
2: The, the MSN are just listening to TNT because I literally said this these words last week, didn't I? When we were covering the story about um uh farmers and migrants having to do manual work because uh basically nobody in Britain wants to, and I said well, it's because of furlough. It's because of COVID. Uh, You, you know, if you want to pay people to do nothing, they're going to have higher expectations. You've changed the whole working attitude of the country overnight. And what? Now you want them after paying them to do nothing, to come in and work really hard for less money. Mm-mm. You, it's just it's just not going to happen. And, of course, social media hasn't helped as well. You know, this, the internet, you know, the grass is always greener type attitude. People are constantly seeing influencer, not doing much, earning money, or these so-called celebrities that aren't really celebrities. And people just think, I, I, that'll be me i can do nothing and earn loads of money and it happened in furlough and this is like some type of dream and unfortunately it just doesn't really work like that in the real world unless of course uh the great reset really does happen and universal basic income comes in and uh we'll sit and uh we'll be happy with nothing rick but uh mm-hmm. right now they still want you to go back to work because that plan didn't quite turn out the way it wanted to through covid
1: it, it did not. I, if you haven't already seen it, just before we take this quick new, uh, break, which we'll do in, in a few seconds' time, but there's a film called Point Break. I don't know if you've ever seen it Love or it. not. It was one of those. Uh, yeah, it's incredible. Brilliant. Okay. So both of you know it. So, right at the very, very end, just as we're talking, this is coming into my head. The scene right at the very, very end on Bell's Beach when they, uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it and you don't want to, and you want to see it, switch off TNT now, come back in 10 seconds. But when they have Bodie, they capture him. Uh, Keanu Reeves tracks him down to Bell's Beach, which I think is actually in australia uh, it ends up in australia uh, they have him surrounded and he's going to be taken back to prison <laughs> and he says right at the end to patrick's uh to Reeves, he says i can't do life in a cage man i can't do life in a cage and he has a surfboard there it's the biggest wave in centuries he lets him go on a body uh surfs out and uh goes to he dies at the end but in the end he dies happier on that surfboard than he would by living the rest of his life uh in the uh in the cage. And of course, Pink Floyd alluded to this in Wish You Were Here as well. Would you swap a walk-on part in the war for a lead role in a cage? And uh another one, uh, it's better uh, to die with your boots on, and it's better to burn out and fade away. Hells bells, we could go all over the place with <laughs> this one here this morning. But anyway, uh, some food for thought. Point break, what an absolute belter! And if you haven't seen it, go and watch it. Uh great, 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 great 80s movie, great 90s movie, actually. But anyway. Gemma, thank you very much and uh, see you again in the next hour Natalie and I will be back after this short break here in TNT so please don't go away
0: TNT Radio's Timothy
4: Shea. The double standard is out there. It's so obvious. It's so frustrating. Eric Holder gets held in contempt of Congress for defying a congressional subpoena. Nothing happens. Obama's DOJ didn't pursue it. Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro defy a congressional subpoena. Joe Biden's DOJ criminally prosecutes them. Criminally prosecutes them for defying a congressional subpoena. And now we've got Congressional subpoenas of Hunter Biden and James Biden, the resident's brother. And guess what? Nothing's going to be done by Merrick Garland, Barack Obama, Joe Biden's DOJ. That's right. I said Barack Obama. Obama's the shadow president. He's not the one pulling the strings. He wasn't pulling the strings in his own administration. You know, Valerie Jarrett was his minder. Where is the Iranian born Valerie Jarrett these days? Haven't seen or heard much of her. It's because the Democrats are smart. Timothy Shea
0: on today's News Talk. TNT radio
4: I wanted to
1: alleviate my pain. I also didn't want to be who I was. I always just felt like there was just something wrong with me and I was trying to figure it out and I used the internet to help me do that seemingly out of nowhere we've suddenly seen a huge spike in media
0: depictions and social media depictions of transgenderism it's even reached the mainstream
1: advertising world the people who are consuming this are children 13 14 15 years old and it's so easy for them to literally be groomed i just woke up one day and looked at myself in the mirror and asked myself what
3: the heck am i doing
0: When trans-identified kids are referred to specialized gender clinics, they're often told that they're going to get comprehensive, multidisciplinary mental health assessments.
3: That's not supposed to happen. What do we do now? D-Trans, the dangers of gender-affirming care. For more information, go to PragerU.com. Are you sitting comfortably? Oh, yes, yes. And I'll begin.
0: Even when you're just sitting around, we're rocking the talk. Today's news talk radio, TNT.
1: Okay, we're coming back at you live here on TNT Radio. I actually want to just take a minute, if I can, just to uh, acknowledge some of the good folk that are inhabiting the denizens of the live chat. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Mally Bites, as always, for giving us a warm welcome here this morning. Also, Sparrow Jarrow's in there. Phil is in there. Uh, Natalie's in there as well. She's in the live chat too, so hello to you too, Natalie. Uh, Mark Delaney says, good morning, comrades. First time I put Rick and Nat on TV. They look pretty slick don't they well i'll take that i'll take that as a compliment yes i've been called many many other things in my appearance here in tnt radio but slick i like is one of the nicer things uh someone says back in black again looks good yeah we have this unofficial TNT uniform that Natalie and I have actually been wearing yep. for about two years now. Uh, I had this unofficial dress code unlocked and loaded. I used to hassle guests and even the studio operatives to put on black when they were doing their shows. And you know what? Most of them did it. And it's almost ported across to our live streams here. And by the way, I have multiple black shirts. It's not the same stinky shirt Every single day, week same week here. Out. I do change it once every two weeks. I have two black shirts, so <laughs> twice a month I change my shirt. It's all good, and maybe for Christmas, uh, Santa will buy me a new black shirt, but it's all good. I actually have at least 10 of them hanging up in my wardrobe, and the same with black shirts, black t shirts, black everything, anyway. Uh, also, uh, Eva in the live chat I think it is if we can get the comment a lot of people posting on here this morning uh yes sorry Alina said you're absolutely right Rick concerning the homeless business we should start taking things into our own hands across social and economic affairs and stop donating to dodgy charities yeah this is a really deep one and as I said just triggered me this morning when I saw this uh girl that was sleeping with the kid and it's happened listen it's nothing new uh, it's going to continue to happen it will continue to happen unless something's done about it I suppose really what triggered me was the amount of time that we spent on here talking about the amount of money squandered by our governments and the amount of money that's going outside of our countries when we still have people sleeping on the streets i don't think anything should be donated anywhere in the world until there's no one sleeping homeless or at least offered a house offered a house in the uk and ireland no money should be going overseas if we sort that problem out then let's look at infrastructure let's look at upgrading our roads let's look at upgrading our rail services let's look at supporting other people all means but we need to start taking care of our own people first and foremost i suppose that's what really triggered me in that one natalie i know we can't just drop everything and do everything and sort the problem out but hell there's a lot more that can be done through managing funds appropriately yeah
2: yeah, but but I mean, it's always been uh, that way, from what mm. I remember. You know, you know, it's yeah. always been like turn a blind eye to the homeless, or or even in terms of the third world countries. Remember, you know, it was, oh, never mind what's going on on the other side of the world. As long as we're okay and I'm alright, Jack type attitude. But I just wanted to say as well, fair play to that lady, you know, for actually taking a stand um, and going somewhere. To, to make this well known because maybe she could have stayed at a friend's house temporarily for a couple of days, but but she's made that choice to almost say, look, this is the situation I'm in and many people are in and she's uh, bringing it to people's attention, uh, which it which it should be because otherwise it's easy for people to bury their heads in the sand. Mm-hmm. It's easy for them to, to ignore the homeless person and walk straight by and she's making sure that, that people are aware of the situation. So fair play to that. That lady, because it is I, I, something I wouldn't want to do. Uh, I, I, I can't, uh, you know, being in a tent in this cold. I mean, I'm sleeping with, uh, with about three or four blankets on me. I'm all snuggled and nice and warm. I can't think of anything worse. So, uh, I really hope something positive uh, can come of that story, and uh, she and her son are helped in the next couple of days, whether that be from a charity or the government, as it should be, as it's helping every single migrant that's coming and never added to the system.
1: Yeah, Dana, just one last thing about that story I didn't add. She actually did spend a few days prior to that with a friend, much the same as yeah. Gemma was describing as well, but there's only so much space that people can, exactly. or you know having a, a a lady with a young child and a dog sleeping in your yes. house is a temporary thing and it's not up to yeah. people to provide long term solutions for this, but at least she did have a friend that gave her a, yes. a a home for a few days, but that could only last for so long and then unfortunately she found herself out the street, so yes, fingers crossed uh, we'll get a happy ending of that one, just checking on time we've got to take a quick break now for headlines we will be right back, we've got a ton of stuff to discuss here this morning so please do away stay tuned for more magic here on tnt radio this is today's news talk radio tnt here
0: is the news matt boyland here with a look at your tnt headlines after leveling much of northern gaza israel has started bombing southern parts of the besieged territory despite previously ordering palestinians to head there for their own safety Just days after it was revealed America had supplied Israel with bunker buster bombs, footage has emerged of one being dropped on a residential building in Gaza. And as wars rage in Ukraine and Gaza and tensions stir in the South China Sea, North Korea's warned a military confrontation with South Korea is now only a matter of time why not give tnt radio a follow we're on all major social platforms including facebook twitter instagram gab and getter help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's news talk
1: tnt radio
0: tnt radio
1: okay uh it is tuesday the 5th of december 2023 a uh, lot of stuff to discuss here this morning trying to squeeze as much of it in as we can before the top of the art uh natalie has highlighted a story uh, from uh, elsewhere in the world we're trying to push the boat out a little bit here too we, of course most of our listeners are from uh, the uk and ireland and europe um, and australia that's the hours in which people are awake and functioning at the minute but there's a whole world out there people there's a whole lot of stuff going on in the world out there and we can become very insular and very focused on just our own doorsteps of course that's what's most relevant to us but there's a whole lot of stuff happening in the rest of the world out there. So, Nat, you've brought up the story uh, from Sierra Leone. Renewed valence in Sierra Leone at this point in time is a signal of fragility and polarization. This is an indication of the way, you know, how bad things could get uh, in a worst case scenario for us. We're seeing it Sierra Leone. We've seen it in, uh, where was it? Sri Lanka last year. And also it looks like it's going that way in South Africa. So it seems to be moving towards spilling into valence on the streets here, uh, especially in Sierra Leone.
2: Yeah, um, so uh, for those of you that watch the film, um, it's been two decades uh, since the end of their deadly civil war, but that was a uh, uh, in Blood Diamond if, with Leonardo DiCaprio, so uh, that was kind of depicted there. Um, I, I know a little bit myself, as my uh, father-in-law and uh, ex, and my ex-husband uh, used to live in Sierra Leone at the time, oh. uh, so I have got quite so I've got quite a background anyway of uh, the information he- uh, here. Uh, but um, on November the twenty-sixth, gunmen attacked a military ballot. Barracks and a prison in the capital Freetown, killing at least 20 people, including 13 soldiers. That's essentially a, a, a kind of coup. There's been another one uh, just previous to that. Uh, there's been an election where, to be honest, uh, nobody's really listening to it they've tried to make a coalition um that's not really working um and 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 as there's already been such uh, problems in the past in in a country like sierra leone uh basically what they're saying is it looks very much like this is the start of violence there are going to be more coups nobody's really taking uh, uh account of the uh recent uh, p- uh political uh vote um it's not looking good and It could easily turn into the full civil war uh, that they had there for many, many years over over near Liberia and Sierra Sierra Leone. So it just really sad and just shows you how easy uh, it is to get to that point and how blinkered we can be. We literally just spoke about the lady on the street, and it's the same as this. Most people won't even have an idea that Sierra Leone were in a civil war twenty years ago, let alone the problems that there are now. You know, you know, and that that is how the world works. You know. you can just like blink yourself. I'll just think about my own life as, as long as I'm OK. The I'm all right, Jack, like situation, mm-hmm. you know, and we take all these charities and we take Bill Gates and him saying, oh, well, I'm trying to push vaccines. Well, what's he really doing about, you know, countries like this, which
1: have had years
2: and years of tragedy and uh, everyone's basically turning a
1: blind eye? They are. And, you know, well done for highlighting it, uh, you know, who knows about these things? Who, who could tell you about that thing that happened in Sierra Leone? It's the same with the Rwanda genocide, talking about the second Congolese war. People will scratch their heads and say, what are you talking about? These are hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people that have been massacred in the last 20 to 30 years uh, in, in places, you know, no more than an eight-hour flight from where you actually live at the moment. And the, the 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 deadly trap here, Natalie, is people thinking, well, this couldn't happen to us. This couldn't happen in a civilized society. This couldn't happen in Reading." This couldn't happen in Belfast or Dublin. It could, could, I'm watching a lot of Troubles documentaries at the minute, you know, from 69 to 94 in Northern Ireland here, the place was just daily bombings, stabbings, shootings, killings, atrocities, day after day, week after week, year after year for 25 years. Uh, And it could go back that way if things don't improve. There's that capacity there because it happened in recent memory. Uh, So one thing that's highlighted in that report of yours, for example, that I just picked out was After those attacks, it led to a nationwide curfew. So the army clamped down in the entire nation because of these acts of violence. So again, people thinking, well, that won't happen here. Cast your mind back three years, people cast your mind back three years when you were told you could only leave the house for one hour a day to exercise. You couldn't travel more than five kilometers from your house or you would be fine. You couldn't have more than six people around your house. You couldn't go to the pub and sit inside on a winter's day and drink a pint. You had to sit and freeze your ass off in the beer garden, you know, and you couldn't you couldn't move around freely. So in, in, in name only, we did have curfews. We did have prison-like conditions imposed on us in the UK. And sadly, uh, tens upon tens of millions of people complied with that and allowed the government to stretch it out. So Sierra Leone seems like a far-flung place, something that we don't really talk too much about or know too much about. But what's happening there could or will potentially be porting its way over here if things go horribly sorry.
2: And don't forget, people will agree to it if it's for their own safety. I keep mm-hmm. saying we talked about the Dublin riots. We talked about the problem with the Cenotaph. Um they want you to go out at the moment. Uh, th- this is for sure. They want you to go out and cause civil unrest. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're, it, that's the only way at the moment they're going to put more restrictions and take your freedoms away. So, you know, like you've just said, this has happened in Sierra and if there's another huge problem out somewhere in the UK and there are riots in all the big cities, they could easily come and say, that, let, let's put a curfew out. And many people will be so scared, Rick. That, that, that fear is 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 what pushes all these things um, and of course you know I mean in Sierra Leone uh, there's guns everywhere you know that there's a big difference there you know these militia and, and the government themselves they're all carrying guns uh, but you know even in this country you know if suddenly things kicked off you know if everyone's walking on the street with knives I think I'd want to stay in my home wouldn't you if it really yep. kicked off and then they brought in martial law are we that far away really you know over Overnight, things can change and I'm not that's not me trying to fear manga or trying to do manga I'm just trying to say you know it's easy to blinker yourself oh we're so wonderful in the west uh but you know these things only happen in Africa uh but it doesn't take a lot and uh you know and nobody has helped uh the situation there for a very long time as uh Rick will tell you in other African nations as well um you know they're, they're all very happy to virtue signal with the LGBTQIA plus flags everywhere, but they're happy to leave people stranded next to civil war in Africa at the same time.
1: Yeah, and, and listen, th- that that mentality too that we were talking about it can't happen here. It won't happen here. We're too civilized. We're too progressive for that. Listen, it absolutely could. And it absolutely has in the past. Like I said, just as a point of reference, you know, you remember coming up to uh, Remembrance Sunday this year where we're talking about the possibility of an atrocity happening at the Cenotaph. And we said, we hope it doesn't. And thank God nobody did get uh, attacked or killed or there was no uh, serious violence on that Remembrance Sunday. But in Northern Ireland, uh, you know, there was an Enniskillen bombing on the Cenotaph where, you know, uh, nearly a dozen people around about uh, were blown to pieces and lost their lives in a no, uh, no warning bomb that was planted in a little village here in Enniskillen. And I watched the documentary, uh, like I said, on The Troubles last night. There's some brilliant ones. There's a YouTube channel, by the way, called A Troubled Land. I have to give them a shout out, a YouTube channel called A Troubled Land. And it's an archive of all the events that happened here uh, in my country over the last you know 30 40 years uh, some horrible stuff uh, bloody sunday uh, you know the paratroop regiment went into derry and started shooting innocent people it was a massacre there was 13 people i think shot dead by the paras uh, that, that triggered off a lot of the stuff that was happening in the uh, in northern ireland after civil rights marches were lifting up it's a very complex issue but what i'm trying to say is soldiers shooting civilians dead and terrorists blowing innocent people up and smashing smashing their bodies all over Senate. it it has happened it has happened here uh, in an in Irish soil and, and the UK too. So don't be under any illusions, folks, that if a tipping point is reached, uh, that it couldn't revert back to that one again. We just have to be very, very mindful of that uh, as we go forward. So thanks to you for bringing that uh, story to our attention. Uh, Another one here, actually, let's stay on the African continent because this is something, the Coupa happening on our doorstep as well with people trafficking, uh, hundreds of uh, unaccompanied children on buses intercepted in South Africa, hundreds of kids uh, ferried across the border in South Africa. What about the open borders in Europe? What about open borders uh, near where we live? Uh, Is there not the huge possibility that a lot of children are being trafficked here or being abused by people that are coming here illegally? Uh, It's foreign soil, but is it not? not just something that's happening on our own soil too
2: yeah. Um, I just wanted as well, before we go on to this one, a very good comment by uh, look at the elephant in the room. Yes. We are trained to look the other way at anything that is uncomfortable. That's the part of a total, total, totalitarian regime. I got there. I struggle with that got word it. every time. Yeah. But um, yeah, in terms of this story, it says hundreds of unaccompanied children on buses were intercepted in South Africa in an anti-trafficking operation. Uh, I think there are about 42 buses, uh, 400 children, um, you know, there's some argument as to whether it was actually trafficking or, or some are saying it. more than a million Zimbabwe's live in South Africa, Africa's most advanced economy. Many of them are trying to illegally cross the border. Some of them are trying to put their children on buses for a better way of life out of Zimbabwe and out of violence. Now, we don't know the truth here. Uh, you know, we've been told there are 400 children intercepted in buses. Is it a combination of both? Is it parents putting putting children on buses hoping for them for a better life when actually they could be put into a life of crime you know or or, or even worse uh you know we don't really know the situation here but uh a uh, scary nonetheless. Uh, there shouldn't be a case of, of buses of children suddenly being intercepted. Um, they can be taken advantage of at any uh, any opportunity, Rick. So uh, it, it, it's a scary story uh, that, that this is happening um, and uh, uh, that we've seen reports of it.
1: You know, and that's a good point. We don't know the background to this one, but it's super sus. <laughs> a bus, you know, buses with 400 kids, unaccompanied, adult, just crossing a border from one country into another one. And I get it. If my daughter was at serious risk here where I lived, and I had no options, and I thought, you know, if you stay here, you're going to die. But if I put you on a bus, there's an opportunity that you might live. But these are younger kids. And let's face it, in this day and age in which we live with the amount of predators that's out there, and especially with the environment, especially down around South Africa, it's it's a, it's a powder keg down there at the minute. I would have thought, you know, no matter how bad your circumstances are in Zimbabwe or anywhere else, you would keep those kids uh, close by. You. And of course, they would have had to pay, whoever put the kids on the bus, Natalie, would have had to pay a reasonable amount of money uh, to get them ferried across the border as well. Where did that money come from or where the kids bought? Maybe the the parents could have sold the kids out of desperation. I I don't know. But imagine, imagine you're on that border and a bus rolls up or three or four buses roll up and you look inside and it's just hundreds and hundreds of little kids. I mean, what do you even do in that position? How how can you ignore that?
2: Yeah, I mean and, th- and to uh, to make it clear, they were coming from Zimbabwe, which has yeah. obviously for many, many years had horrific problems over mm. there. So there is many reasons those children could have been put on the bus for the for the right reasons, but ended up being there for the wrong reasons. Um, you know, and and some uh, charity here has said the, you know, it's trying to make out, you know, it's it's uh, it's A positive thing, and sometimes you know they've they've got a parent that's managed to get into South Africa illegally, and they're going to meet them. I'm I'm not so sure. I I think this is probably much more corrupt. Um, And uh, we know that child trafficking is happening across the globe. We know that it is trying to be covered up. Uh, My fear here is that people were trying to do the right thing, and it was uh, probably quite a big operation um, for for children. Uh, yeah. To be taken advantage of, sadly, and let's let's hope they were intercepted and they were, are now safe. Because uh, <laughs> I don't even trust the authorities either, to be honest. So let's hope no. those children all find
1: uh, uh, safe homes after this. Well, I don't know where they ended up, but to be fair, it does say here there was 42 buses as well. Imagine that—42 buses full of kids uh, entering them in Zimbabwe inside said at the Bait Ridge border on Saturday night. Uh, they were actually all sent back to South Africa again, so the South Africans didn't accept them uh, crossing the border. They just simply turned the buses around and sent them back to where they came from. But but then, where did the buses go, and what happened when the kids arrived back in the place that was too dangerous from to live from in the first place? Again. The victims in all of this, like that lady we talked about in Limerick, she's on the streets. Her five-year-old is, is, you know, crying himself to sleep at night, wondering what's going on. Imagine you're stuck on a bus, uh, a convoy of 42 being sent to another country and then stopped by the police and sent back again. You have no idea what's going to happen to you as always. It's the kids that are the worst victims uh, in all of this. So uh, had to shine a light on this one too, because it is happening as we speak, all over the world. Uh, We've got to take a quick break right now. And when we come back, plenty more to discuss here. So please, don't go away. This is TNT Radio.
0: De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective.
4: Well, of course, the biggest story in climate right now is Vice President Kamala Harris leaves for the climate conference with the biggest carbon footprint in history. She's heading to Abu Dhabi or... Whatever for COP28 in Joe's place with hosts under fire for wanting to push oil and gas deals. Do you know why there's so many people there? Because they realize what a scam this is and they're trying to push oil and gas deals. Anyway, she left and there's 400,000 people expected there. Now, do you really believe that those 400,000 people are all interested in eliminating fossil fuels I would say there are quite a few of them, given Abu Dhabi is in the Middle East and there's a lot of oil in the Middle East, that are seeking to do business because they know what a scam this is. And let's see, at its head, Sultan Al-Jabbar has denied reports he's using meetings at the summit to make side deals on fossil fuels produced by the United Arab Emirates. I'm sure he's smart enough to probably be doing that. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather even if we can't go over to Abu Dhabi because it's the only weather you got.
3: I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go. I I didn't think I'd survive, but I did ask for help and Covenant House was there for me.
0: One in 10 young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there. Covenant House helped me break the
1: cycle of homelessness in my family. They gave me the love that I needed.
0: Over 2,000 young people will sleep safely in a Covenant House bed tonight. When youth who are experiencing homelessness have a hot meal, a safe place to sleep, medical care, and love, they can overcome heartbreaking challenges and have a brighter future.
4: They just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed, and I'm succeeding. I'm a I'm a speaker, I'm an author. Covenant House really helped me and really helped mold me into the
3: woman I am today.
0: If you or someone you love is asking for help, go to safeplacetosleep.org today. Be on the lookout and alert for anything out of the ordinary. Natalie Cheel and Rick Munn. Thank you for your cooperation. Today's News Talk Radio,
1: TNT. You know, it's difficult sometimes to focus on just a story whenever we're doing these conversations this morning. And you can tell that by the people's responses in live chats as well. You know, I like to hear what people think. I like to get different angles on things. There is no real black and white issues in our society at all anymore. You know, there's Two sides to every story, as someone once said. There's three sides: there's your side, there's my side, and then there's the actual truth of what's actually happened. So it's really good to get into debates about the stories that we bring up here. So big thank you to everybody in the live chat who is also adding uh, their inputs and thoughts and opinions as well. It just fleshes things out that much more, puts a little bit of meat on the bones of what we're trying to bring you guys every morning in terms of stories that we think are relevant uh, in this day and age. So a big thank you to everyone uh, for your participation in that one uh well this is this is a massive one actually let's talk about this one it may not seem like a big deal but it's a little bit disturbing what's going to be happening in ireland again in terms of recycling Okay, now this may not sound like much, but when you read this article, this is extremely uh, concerning when you think of the amount of hassle this is going to cause, the amount of money that this is going to cause, and the effect that this is going to have on small business. And I check this one out. Concerns as companies prepare for a deposit scheme for plastic bottles and cans. So what, you might be thinking, what's the big deal? Uh, we've been here before, we will probably be in here again. No, not like this. Uh, inside of the door of Tesco Extra outlet in Drogheda, Ireland, fittingly tucked away behind a fridge full of drinks is a facility that irish consumers will become shortly very familiar with it represents the final step for regular customers at least of a new deposit return scheme which comes into effect in ireland from the first of february it will see a 15 cent levy around about 10p added to every aluminium can or plastic bottle sold in ireland okay 25 cents for bottles over 500 milliliters and customers will have to return their empties to the likes of reverse vending machines to get their money back no more putting it in your recycling bin no more just squashing up your plastic bottles and recycling them if you do that you will have to preserve them And keep them. And you can't crush your tins. If you crush your tins, they can't be processed. You won't get your money back. And you have to pay all of this up front. So you pay it up front and then you are refunded that money of 10 cents or 15 cents or 15 pence per can or bottle when you bring it back to the recycling plant. And that adds up. To an awful lot of money, Natalie, and it adds up to a hell of a lot of investment that businesses are going to have to make to have these things in place because if your business is over 250 square metres in floor space, you must have one of these in place by the start of February next year. What hell is this? This is making Mark Drakeford look like a libertarian.
2: I mean, the first thing I thought of when I read this story, I mean, I was like, what? Like, eyes open Mm -hmm. like you, like, this is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I remember a conversation we had a couple of days ago about Bill Gates and this, this idea of offsetting. Yeah. And I said, you know, it's they're pushing it, aren't they? This idea that if you do one thing, it will be okay if you offset. And this is what this basically is it's about a counteract, a counterbalance, offsetting. It's okay if you buy an aluminium or a plastic bottle as long as you offset it and get the money back. They're adjusting its social condition and its indoctrination. Um, You know, uh, I've got a a quote here by um, the, the, the guy who's kind of pushing this. We appreciate there's a hassle there. We're asking people to keep their cans and bottles separate and bring them back to the sh- shop or supermarket. We recognise it's probably the biggest social behavioural change since the plastic bag levy or the smoking bang. We're, no, uh, uh, we're not underestimating that at all. Uh, but it's critical for Ireland as it's this is the key because it's designed to help the country hit its EU targets. So point- it's all about target. Hitting. Yeah. So, you know, it's like a complete and utter nanny state to me, you know. I should be able to. If I want to go and have a plastic bottle, I'll go. You know, I'll I'll go buy one. But the idea that then you you can't even put it in your normal recycling. That that they've said um, even for smaller uh, shops, they're going to have to do it. They're just not going to have these big machines that do it for them. So places like Tesco are opting. They're about two hundred thousand euros to have uh, to buy Tesco. have got to buy to put these machines in their shops that then you can put and get your money back. Put your plastic. It's very childlike isn't it mm-hmm. Put your plastic mm-hmm. bottle in get yep. your money back put, you know but um, don't squash
1: it don't squash but don't it because squash if you, squash it your you, can, you don't get your can back so it. it's not even it's not even you know it's telling you you can't even crush them up to save space you have to keep them all perfectly intact that's the only way you way get your, get money, your back. money back listen you nailed it. social conditioning Uh, behavioural modification change. They said it themselves. It's the biggest one since uh, the bag charge of 5p or the non-smoking in public places. This is a social conditioning experiment. And you think about that 200k, the Tesco we're talking about. Tesco can afford it. It's going to dent their profits, but they can afford it. Now, you can imagine 10 stores, not like 10 large Tesco stores, that's 2 million quid. Now, how many Tesco stores are in the UK and Ireland? And it's not in the UK. It's going to be the Republic of Ireland here. But let's say there's 100, you know, 100 by, you know, 200,000 is what, 20 million euro? It's going to cost just to be able to process uh, people's recyclable plastic uh, cartons and and aluminium cans. And if you don't stump up for this, you decide, stuff this, I'm not participating in this, I'm just going to chuck them in the recycling bin as normal. You know, you're losing money because you've paid for this up front. They charge you in advance for these cans and you only get a refund when you take them back to your point of purchase. And also just one last thing, the country's drinks producers, so Coca-Cola Ireland or PepsiCo Ireland, they also have to sign up to the scheme and track every single can or plastic bottle, they ship every can of coke or pepsi or sprite or whatever it is or bottled water every can every bottle has to be tracked now by every drinks manufacturer this is absolutely mental mental
2: Um, As far as I'm concerned, there's no benefit or advantage to this at all. And I think the average person won't be using it. I'm not being funny, but I don't buy many plastic bottles or cans, right? So if I buy five in a week, do you think I'm going to go out of my way to hold them on my being, put them in my car, hold them at home in order to go back to the shop and get what? Less than a pound back? No, no. Sorry, it's not even worth my hassle. So is that not the idea as well? Is this just another money-making scheme? But at the same point, there are some people that will follow it through. The virtue signal, as someone's just put on the online chat, it's, it's designed, it's more virtual signal, isn't it? It's be a good citizen, go and offset, you know, yep. do it for the climate, Rick, be a good person.
1: But here's, you know, the, here's the flip side to that, right? Let's say you are a consumer. Okay, I'm I'm the same. I don't consume a lot of uh, tins and stuff like that. But many families out there with a lot of kids, you might, they might go to Tesco and buy like 24 tins of Coke, for example. Let's just say they do that. Yep. 15 cents per tin, Natalie, on a 24-pack, that amounts to £3.50. Now, if you're buying oh, wow. one of those per week for your family, multiply, that's 180 quid a year. 180 quid a year by not taking your cans back unsquashed. And having them recycled, because remember, the cost of this is loaded into the purchase price when you actually buy them. You only but, get a refund when you take it don't... back. Now, think of the money that's going to generate, but it's it's to hassle people. It's to the stress them out. This is Ireland's version of Mark Drakeford's 20 miles per hour speed limit. I think this is, is to drive people mental and to wind it people is. up beyond all belief. And let's hope it backfires horribly, because I can't see small businesses investing tens of thousands of pounds to fit these machines. Can you?
2: But but don't worry, it won't. Of course, if you buy bottles of vodka, that's not gonna. So you can you can go out and be a complete and utter drunk, uh, you know. But and, and you know, cause lots of disruption. But that's okay. But you know, God forbid, you know, a family go out and buy some Pepsi Max in a can, because that's their treat for the week, mm. you know, and then they won't be able to afford that because that's a real damage to society, but not the alcohol that they get lots of tax on, remember, Rick? So, uh, yeah, don't tell me this government cares about me and my society and climate change. Uh, this this is uh, uh, about social conditioning. This is about uh, companies earning a lot more money. And remember, you reckon Tesco would have agreed to this, right, if they weren't going to be earning money out of it? Uh, There's no way. So uh, uh, as usual, it's the peasants that will suffer and uh, the big corporations and the governments that will benefit.
1: I tell you, it's just another angle they're coming at people from, and it's when you read this on paper, it's like, so what? What's the big deal? But when you actually dig down into it, how they're tracking every can, they're tracking every bottle, they're charging every single person that doesn't use reverse vending, social conditioning, in their own words, that's what they're trying to do here. It is mental. And let's hope hope this does not take off, because uh, it applies. I don't think it's going to apply in Northern Ireland, but it's certainly the whole of the Republic of Ireland from the 1st of February next year. So if you're listening from Ireland, leave us your thoughts on that one in the live chat and in the meantime uh, we're at the end of the the show here the open line show anyway, Uh, so big thanks to you Nat uh, for all the input as normal, I shall be back after the news with Gemma and Darren Denslow so plenty more on the way, don't go anywhere else, this is TNT Radio